Hello and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, it felt like forever, but we finally got some Villanova basketball back in our lives. Yeah, it's great to great to have him back, especially with football being kind of lame for both of us. It's good to have another favorite team of ours back in action. And sitting at 1-0 with a game tonight, it's a great time to be a Wildcat. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to break down that Columbia game. We're going to get Jack Brooks on the line. He was at the game covering for VU Hoops. We're also going to talk a little bit about Nichols State tonight. Should be exciting. We're going to have Brendan Riley covering the game live. And we're also going to talk about some shady, questionable, very questionable NCAA decisions. Some good news on the Nova Athletics front and some other things that went on this past weekend. And, of course, your questions. But first, Chris, let's see if we can get Jack on the line, talk about what happened on Friday night about that Columbia game. Hey, guys. Hey, Jack. How's it going? How's everything? Uh, Pretty good. Things are going pretty well here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Friday night. One of the things you wanted to talk about in your preview was what the atmosphere and what the crowd size would be like. How was it at the Wells Fargo Center? You were there. It wasn't quite as loud as it was in the pavilion or for some of the weekend uh, Wells Fargo games, but it was still pretty good. I mean, I would say that compared to a lot of their home courts, Wells Fargo Center should be fine, but it's just not up to the standard of the pavilion, if you know what I mean. Was the lower deck crowded? How, How did it look? How filled was it? The lower deck was pretty crowded. Uh, Not a lot of people in the upper deck. A lot of the student section was in the upper deck. For some reason, they did some weird stuff with the tickets. Besides that, it seemed like the lower deck was full and the upper deck was pretty sparse. Yeah, I'm shocked that they didn't uh, tarp off the upper deck. I thought that would be their game plan at least early on until like at least Big East play. But yeah, no, that's that's good that they're at least opening it up. Yeah, there, there were people up there. It wasn't like it was a ghost town or anything, but it just wasn't probably like one in five seats, one in four seats were full, something like that. Also, it just didn't seem as loud as it was in the pavilion. Like, the sound just doesn't carry as well in Wells Fargo. And it's, uh, it's kind of tough. I think that the student section did what they could, but it's, it's just a different atmosphere. I agree with that. So first game of the season, you know, what were your thoughts on it? It seemed like a totally different team from first half compared to second half. See, I don't know that it seemed like a, a completely different team. It just seemed like they got Omari the ball more in the second half and sh- shots started to go in in the second half more than a different team. The play style was pretty much the same. Like, they were taking open shots in the first half. They were playing good defense. It's just that in the first half, they were breaking open shots for some reason. I don't think there is a problem. It's just that, well, the problem might be that they can't shoot, but I don't think the problem's with the looks by any means. Yeah, I thought, I thought Jalen did a, a great job distributing the ball the other day. I thought a lot of his drives would be stopped about halfway through the hoop and he would just kick it out. And more times than not, the, the wing would be wide open. And I, I feel like those shots will eventually fall as the season progresses. I mean, obviously it's just one game, so you can't take a lot from it. But it's if, if they continue that trend, I mean, eventually, love averages say the shots will fall. So I mean, that was encouraging. Yeah, Jalen's been really good as like a, he seemed like a really good safety valve for the offense where they were trying to get and Spellman and Bridges more involved. Where if there's a six seconds left on the shot clock, Jalen can just pull up from mid-range and they'll be fine. First game, we got to see the rookies in action officially. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? What were your first impressions on them? Gillespie looks good offensively, but pretty bad defensively. Uh, Mike Smith from Columbia was driving by him at will. I don't know if it was a positioning thing or if he's just slow, but he looked bad defensively. Demir looks like he'll be good. It's just those over the backs were killer. I 
you can't have two over the backs in like three minutes of gameplay. That's just something you got to work on. But he looked he looked decent defensively. I don't know that he took that many shots, so I don't know what he looked like there. Jermaine Samuels looked good. It's just the shots weren't falling. And, I mean, he's going to be fine. And as you wrote in your recap, Omari is now free. How hyped was the crowd, and how hyped was he on the court? He seemed like the the crowd was just playing off of him, and he was playing off the crowd, and it worked really well for them. Omari looked really good. I think he was a little like spread out by Columbia's offense, and that might be a problem as the season goes on, but that might just be an experience thing because I don't know how often he was guarding 6'10", 6'11", stretch fives uh, in high school. Yeah, Jack, I like how you brought up the fact where you said he, like, he, had a lot of, he brought a lot of energy and the crowd was kind of feeding off it. I don't know if you saw at the game, but on TV, they showed a clip after Omari. I think it was an ad one. He was getting real hyped up, and then I think Jalen went over him over to him to calm him down. And, just, just, <laughs> and I was just like, all right, like I get it. And it's like first game for him. You know, He really wants to show the NCAA like what he's about and really stick it to him. But I, I felt like it was kind of cool of Jalen to step over, you know, calm him down a bit, say, you know, this is game one, it's Columbia, let's, you know, let's save this for, you know, we got a long season ahead of us. So I, I think that speaks to Jalen's leadership, and I think it shows that he's, I think he's the true leader of the team now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jalen was in a pretty similar situation as a five-star recruit. I'm, I don't remember exactly how he did in the beginning, but he had Archie Diakno, he had Hart and Jenkins to calm him down. It's nice to see him assuming that leadership position for Omari. Yeah, the other thing that stuck out to me about the freshman or and even as the team overall, so much better taking care of the ball. In that Drexel exhibition game, the freshmen accounted for at least a third of the turnovers, and I think as a team, Villanova had over 20. This time around, Demir Kazi Roundtree was the only one with the turnover, and it was only one. And overall as a team, they only had seven. Great, great care for the ball. Great care. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that is uh, an improvement by the freshmen or the fact that Drexel might be better defensively than Columbia. Although Drexel had a pretty bad loss to, I think, Bowling Green State on Friday. But I think that Drexel might be a little better, and that's more of the reason. Like, Demir and Colin especially, they had some moments where it looked a little dicey, but they just were able to kind of power through that. I think they said on the broadcast with regards to the turnovers, I think they went over 20 minutes without turning it over. 20 minutes of, of gameplay without turning it over. So, that, yeah, that was a pretty impressive showing by them. Yeah, I mean, the freshmen looked good. The last time... I mean, this time last year, the only two freshmen on the team were Dante, who was a redshirt, and that doesn't really even count because he played last year, and Dylan, and all three of them look better than Dylan or Dante did that first game. Yeah, I think that's another thing we need to remind ourselves. Not only is it only one game, but not everyone's going to come out like Josh Hart did his freshman year and automatically, immediately contribute. I remember that first Josh Hart game. I was very impressed. I think he might have had a double-double. If not that first game, that second game he had one. He looked really good. I think they've definitely got some time to improve. And it's just one game. It's one game against Columbia. They didn't really need the freshman to contribute to seal a win against an Ivy League team, which is reassuring, at least. And I think they'll definitely improve as the season goes on. What impressed you the most about that Friday night game? Either Pascal or Bridges. They were just playing with so much intensity. It was it was crazy. Bridges, I think the biggest knock on him was that he isn't aggressive enough, and Bridges just kept driving, and he wasn't necessarily making all of his shots, but he wasn't being passive within the offense, and that dunk that he had on, um, on the Columbia defender was one of the craziest things I've ever seen live, and I think he really is going to break out this year in a big way, and Pascal just had so much energy on the boards. Him and Omari, I believe, combined for 12 offensive rebounds. Like They were just bullying a team that is 
has a decent amount of size. So when they play some smaller teams, look out. We saw a strange starting lineup in that opening game or that exhibition game against Drexel. This time around, we see the starting five is Brunson, Booth, Bridges, Pascal, and Spellman with Dante DiVincenzo off the bench. It looked like it worked out for the most part, right? It looks pretty good. Yeah, I don't see why they would change that lineup barring injury unless, unless like, Phil Booth goes on a huge slump. But I think Dante works better off the bench. He can just pick apart second units at this point. He's not necessarily going to be the lead ball handler like Jalen or Josh Hart. So I think it's better for him to come off the bench where he can be more ball dominant and Booth can more flow with the rest of the starting five. Overall, defensively, what did you think about the job Villanova did? I mean, you know, Mike Smith, he's like a 5'10 mini guy. When you look at him on the court, he's not someone who stands out to you. But other than, you know, on the stats, he's a baller. It looked like he was cooking Jalen. It looked like he was cooking Gillespie. And it wasn't until Bridges went on him to shut him down. It seemed necessary, but do you like that role of Bridges being or being forced to be the top defender on the top option? I think Mikhail Bridges can guard just about anyone in the Big East, not named Angel Delgado, to be completely honest. And I think that Smith reminds me a lot of uh, Kay Felder from Green Bay a couple years ago, where he can ju- he's a smaller guy and he can just get to the rim at will. And it doesn't matter who's in front of him. He will get within five feet of the rim. And I think the fact that Bridges was able to limit him to, I believe, 7 of 21 from the field is uh, a really good showing for Bridges and is very positive, positive outlook on his uh, co-defensive biggest player of the year. What areas concerned you? Uh, the fact that not enough shots were going in. Uh, it wasn't anything with the offense. It just looked like maybe it's the rims. I don't know. It didn't look bad coming off their hands or anything, but they just could not hit a shot in the first half. I think they, for the game, shot about 21% from three, maybe like 20 Somewhere in that range where it's just the fact that they won by 15 while shooting that poorly is kind of astounding. So I think they have enough to make up for a poor shooting, but I think that it's probably better for them to focus on the drive and the penetrate unless they really are hot from three that night. Pascal, Bridges, and Spellman, they combine for 0 for 10 at the three-point line. Do you still give them the green light, or do you think they should do something else? Bridges definitely gets the green light. He shot over 40% for three last year, I think. Eric Paschal should be kept within 15 feet of the basket of all times. If he ever goes outside of that, maybe like one of those, just like a, a flashing red light on the sidelines. I He really is not a three-point shooter. He's just so much better under the basket. And Spellman, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt because of how well he shot against Drexel. But he's another guy who's just so much better under the basket than he is out on the, uh, on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I kind of made mention in a few episodes ago that I thought Bridges' uh, three-point shooting would regress this year, but I, I'd still give him the green light. I, I mean, if he's going to be open on the wing with Jalen penetrating in the kickout, I mean, that's going to work. And if he can generate more open looks, then maybe it won't regress. But but Bridges' shot, I, I, I don't know. I'd rather see him attack in the basket because, as we as Jack said, when he's more when he's aggressive, he's a even better player than what he really is. Eastman, like you said, don't want anywhere. I want him under the basket the entire time. Yeah, I'd say that Bridges should be fine shooting. I mean, again, his shot is fluid. It's not like there's a problem with it. I wouldn't say that the 40% was a fluke. He might be go a little down because of just losing Hart and Jenkins to space the floor. But I would say that even if he's shooting like 35%, he should definitely have the green light from three on the looks he was taking last night. There you have it. Thank you, Jack, for coming on to break down the Columbia game with us. Thanks for having me. For those keeping score at home, Jay Wright did wear a three-piece suit. Is a reference to Mike Jacobs' over-under bet. And also, uh, Jack, where can we find you on social media? Follow me at jbrook underscore 18 on Twitter. Uh, I write for VU Hoops. And uh, yeah, I, I try to be funny on Twitter. Uh, please follow me. <laughs>
there you have it. Are you going to be there tonight for the nickel state game? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to go to as many of the games as I can. I mean, barring a massive SEPTA failure, I will be there tonight. Uh, one last one before you go. I know that there was a giant petition going around for the buses. Did anything happen with that? Or is the school saying, uh, it's up to you guys? Tough luck. Actually, there was a bus. Uh, campus activities team had $5 buses. It left campus at 7 for Friday, and it got there around 8, I believe. And it left right after the game. Uh, 5 bucks for both ways. So it's not a bad deal. It's definitely better than the 13 for SEPTA. And also, you don't have to deal with SEPTA. I got stuck for an hour and a half in Suburban Station on Friday night. So I am probably going to be avoiding that as much as I can. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Thanks again, Jack, for coming on. I hope you have a good yeah, day. Thanks, Jack. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, once again, that was Jack Brooks. Big shout out to Jack. Did a good job covering the game last Friday. But now, Chris, we got another one tonight. And this is against Nichols State. And as we talked about in the preview show, I couldn't even point that out to you on a map. Yeah, they're a very obscure team, especially for a cupcake game. At least, like, with some cupcake games, like, you, some teams are, like, kind of, like, in the rotation of the cupcake games for the big boys of the NCAA. <laughs> but, yeah, these guys, <laughs> yeah, like they literally... Boys, like, uh, Howard or... Uh, Mount, Mount St. Mary's. Mount St. Mary's. They're Maryland, a crucial one. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar. Yeah. Lamar. Uh, oh, there's got to be another one in there. Drake. Drake. Drake, yes. And that's another one. But yeah, Nichols State coming out of nowhere in the Southland Conference. Oh boy. <laughs> so if you thought Nichols State was obscure, I-, I want you to help dissect this next one for me. They they sure. won their season opener against UT Rio Grande Valley, one eleven to one oh six. Now I'm gonna guess oh that UT God. Rio Grande Valley <laughs> is in Texas, but is that a D one school, a D two school, D three, or NAIA? I have no idea. No man, they're in the whack. <laughs> yeah, they're in the they're in the whack. They're with really? CSU Bakersfield, Grand Canyon, which is brand spanking new. I know they're new to Division One. New Mexico State, Seattle, UMKC. I have no idea who that is. I don't even want to click on it. Chicago State, and then Utah Valley, and then there's UT Rio Grande Valley. They, they must be brand spanking new too. They might have just gotten eligibility. I have no idea. I was looking it up, and I saw that they won against UTRGV, and I was like, "What in the world is a UTRGV?" Yeah, I know. I, I have honestly no idea. It's like South Harmon Institute of Technology. Like, what what is that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, both Nickel State and UTRGV are variations of that anagram. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and it was a comeback win, too. If you're in the audience, if you're one of the 900 privileged to watch this game, you got to see a lot of high-flying action. No shortage of offense at all. Yeah, it's, that's kind of shocking. Usually when you see two lower-end teams go up against each other, you kind of just expect the battle of the wills, and one team is like 50 to 40, but this you're putting up in the hundreds? I, are, do they play up and gun in basketball? I, I, I don't know. Like Loyola Marymount? Six seconds or less? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think there's very much defense. I have, like I said, I had no idea where Nickel State was until two weeks ago. It is in Louisiana for any of those who missed the preview episode. But yeah, you know, this is a this is a team that if we thought Villanova was guard you, this is a team that had only one guy taller than six five last year, and this season while they brought in some new big guys, they're still running four out one in. Like their starting lineup is. Yeah. Four guards and then one center. What? <laughs> uh, 
you gotta love these like lower end schools with the type of stuff they throw at you. <laughs> it should be a fun game. Are you concerned at all about Nickel State? I mean, you know, they had this one guy, Lafayette Rutledge. He had a team high twenty one points, seven eleven, always <laughs> open from the three point line, baby. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not in the slightest bit worried. No, this this should be a, as easy as anything. If they if they struggle in the slightest, I I might be a little concerned. But on Nichols, there's a guy named Legend Roberton. He's from London. And he's seven foot one. Scored eight points in their last game. He's a transfer from Clemson. He might be. He might be. I, th- I think he might be that one center you're talking about. Yeah, he might be the tallest guy that has ever walked the halls at Nichols. State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you must be this tall to ride this ride type ordeal here. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you you can't possibly have any qualms with playing them early in the season. It's, it's a cupcake game. Get your legs under you. This should be a blowout start to finish. Uh, maybe a little tense in the beginning, like Columbia or whatever it may be. Give them their points. Let them feel important. But this should, this should be fine. No issue. Lafayette Rutledge, 7-11 from the three-point line? No no, no concern? That's okay, Eugene. That's one person. You can, you can drop 40. We can let him drop 40, and we'll probably still win 90 to 40. That's okay. It's all right, Eugene. All right, let's be honest. I don't think anyone on the Wildcats would be okay with him dropping 40. I'm sure that guy who allowed that to happen would have extra sprints uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, no. Come you're tomorrow right. morning. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Let them get their points, but they're not. it's not going to be bad at all. Like, I, 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 we, we've talked about cupcakes last year, and we talked about Columbia this year already, and like, I feel like this is probably the least concerning cupcake game we've ever talked about. <laughs> and Ken Palm agrees with you. I think it, they're listed at Villanova's listed as a 99.2% favorite to win. Oh, not 99.9. All right. Maybe that, that Rio Grande game bumped them up a little bit. A correction. My sources just came in and you were right. It's actually 99.9%. Oh, thank God. All right. <laughs> now, now I can rest easy. Okay. And you know what's funny? This game's on Fox Sports 1. <laughs> how how did Columbia the, the Columbia game the season opener get on Fox Sports one but this great one? call you know I didn't even notice that you're right why just why I, I do they have nothing else going on I guess the bass fishing show is not is not going that night I I don't know I guess we got lucky this should be an easy dub I'm gonna predict pretty big games for Eric Pascal and Omaris Bellman great opportunities for them to feast inside but then also I think this would be a good test a good learning game for some of the youngins. Especially on defense, you're going against a, a high-flying team like this or a team that's so offense-oriented. They're going to turn over the ball a lot, so this would be a good time for Villanova's press. Get everyone acclimated, and then after this, it'll be on to Allentown. But right now, I think this will be an easy game. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I, I do kind of hope that they do press the issue a little bit. Like I know it's a cupcake game. You're going to... Like you'll probably just win on talent alone, but like I'd like to see them, like you said, press a little bit, keep an up tempo offense. Because I think this, if this, if there's a game to try that out, this is it. Like, let, like let's push it. This is a young athletic team. That's actually kind of a shout out to Chris Lane on Twitter. He he mentioned that this this team is young and athletic as like any Villanova team he's ever seen. And I feel I agree with him 100. percent And I feel like if we can utilize that to our advantage, like throughout the year, why not? So just try it out this game and. Keep the momentum going. Yeah, this will be a great testing out game and also awesome experience for some of the young guys to really get a lot of burn out there against some D1 talent. But yeah, like you said, let's get this dub tonight and they'll be onwards to Allentown for a doubleheader. But we're not going to talk about that yet. We'll talk about that more on Thursday. Yeah, we got we got Thursday's episode for that, so we'll be fine.
Tip-off versus Nickel State is at 6.30 p.m. Looks like everyone's going to have to eat an early dinner or just skip all together in order to catch this game. It'll be Villanova's first game back in the AP Top 5 because we got to leapfrog Kentucky in the latest polls that were released yesterday. Yeah, I, I really wasn't sure as to why. But then I remembered on Monday morning, I saw the highlights to uh, Kentucky-Vermont. And Kentucky struggled mightily. Vermont even had a shot, uh, two shots at the end. Uh, I believe it was in the last 20 seconds. They got two. They were down three. Got two shots behind the arc and clanked both of them. And then Kentucky sh- shot some free throws to ice it. But man, the fact that Vermont was in that the entire game, I think they were even leading at one point. And in the Rupp Arena, Kentucky struggling. I mean, I guess that's just what happens when you got a bunch of one and dones early on. But man, I'm. I guess that kind of scared off the voters. Yeah, that that was definitely a sight to behold. I mean, I don't even think an upset was on the radar or even just the tough game in general. I'm sure Calipari was not happy, and I'm sure he said some Calipari things on the sidelines. But it's good to see the Novas back in the top five. Always celebrate those victories when you can. Yeah, and this further proves that uh, we are the better and the best Wildcats. Well, actually, maybe not the best. Arizona's ahead, but we're better than the other Wildcats down in uh Kentucky. Yeah, that might be ahead, but we'll get them, hopefully, over Thanksgiving. In the meantime, I wanted to bring up to you a a story that I saw over the weekend. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but there was this man by the name of Rob Gray. He is a guard at the University of Houston, plays for the Cougars. Did you hear? Do you happen to hear about his story? Yes, I did. I actually know exactly what you're pertaining to, and I can't wait to discuss this. It was certainly shocking on Sunday morning to wake up and seeing that. I mean, I, I've been away from my phone and the news a lot or this past weekend. But the first thing I saw on Twitter was that, and I read a follow-up article. For those of you who aren't familiar, let's just say the SparkNotes version is this is another boneheaded decision by the NCAA where they really dropped the ball. I mean, we saw them go after the University of Richmond baseball team for fantasy football. Then you saw the Amari Spellman decision last year, which we obviously were all outraged about. But then other things such as players taking money but being eligible to play. And then another drop ball recently was the whole UNC thing, where clearly everyone was taking paper classes. They had evidence of it, but because it wasn't just the athletes taking paper classes, it was okay. Try Yeah, but a kid can't play in his church rec league. Because the NCAA doesn't sponsor it. What? Just just what? (laughs) Like, come on. Back in March, Rob Gray was signed up to play for his church league. I'm assuming it was back at home. Didn't really give that information. But he's playing the church league in March during the offseason. And there was a $40 registration fee. So, eight-man team, $5 a person. His friend pays for him just so he can play. NCAA catches wind of this, and he was suspended for the Cougars' season opener because he played in this unauthorized league. Church league. What? Yeah. yeah. He I got mean, a harsher suspension than Johnny Manziel did for signing <laughs> stuff. Johnny Manziel had one half. guy <laughs> suspended for the whole first game. It, it, it is amazing the 
hypocrisy of the NCAA on so many levels. And it, it's, it rears its ugly head yet again with something so minuscule, something so stupid. The kid just wants to play basketball. He had his friend pay for him the stupid freaking rule. And, and the NCAA was like, yeah, no, you can't do that. You're going to get suspended for a game. At least it's not the whole year, which I could have totally seen happening knowing these idiots. And because you want to know why he got suspended, Eugene? You want to know why? Because he plays for the University of Houston. Imagine if someone in UNC does this. They don't, they don't get suspended. The, the NCAA would be like, if Grayson Allen did this, they're like, oh, look at this. A beautiful student athlete playing right. in a church league. Exactly. What a model student. What a yeah. model guy. Yeah, this, they, he would be the poster child of the quote-unquote student athlete. It, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we saw a little Mari last year with this stupid suspension for a whole freaking year it's just i just don't understand it and it all comes back to the unc paper classes like you said how in the world do you not destroy a program for that but you you're still going after basically kids playing basketball in a freaking church league i don't get it worry about the real issues here like all right i understand there's a rule in place but but like get rid of the rule the rule's stupid to begin with i would just like to know how the ncaa caught wind of this i just want to know did they send private investigators to this church dude like you, what you did they do know. did someone hear rumor like how did this go down what was mark emmert doing at this time yeah <laughs> i i don't man i don't know maybe maybe his son went to go play in like the church league or something i don't, I don't <laughs> know I, maybe that's what happened but it, it's yeah I, I don't know how the ncaa finds out about half the crap they find out about they have, they must have like secret agents like all over the place or might they might have like moles like playing for each team on the bright side university of houston did win their game against mcneese state they won pretty easily but to just add to the triviality of all this the ncaa made gray pay back the five dollars like they made sure <laughs> if he did not pay that five dollars he would be suspended some more yeah in the words of Mike Francesa, it's not great optics. This is bad optics. And why Why do this? Why put even more controversy in re- regards to your name with the NCAA? Come on. This is worse than the kid who's ordained hall monitor or like the staff member of a school <laughs> that's ordained as hall monitor and take their job way too seriously. Yes. Oh, that is a great analogy. So basically the NCAA is the kid who tried way too hard at hall monitor. I, I would agree with that. I think that's what we should view them as, too, and should stuff them into a locker. Meanwhile, at UNC, they're taking paper classes, and that's, that's okay. That's A-OK, guys. Just keep doing you. They, I'm at a loss of words. <laughs> it, it's really dumb. I mean, as much as – I feel like every time I say, hopefully we never have to hear anything about this again, it just gets worse and worse each nope. time. Exactly, and it's, it's more stupid. One is, the next incident is more stupid than the next, uh, the, the one previous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, while that was very unfortunate, I do have some good news that will hopefully wash that bitter taste out of your mouth. Coming from the women's cross-country front, this past weekend was the Mid-Atlantic Regionals. The Villanova Wildcats were running in the race, a 6,000-meter race. And lo and behold, on top of everyone, finishing number one is junior Bella Berta. Big shout-outs to her for winning the Mid-Atlantic individual title. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. She we bring her up a lot with regards to cross country. She's definitely the star of the team, but not to be overlooked though, Katie Salofo, Rachel MacArthur, Lauren Ryan, Nicole Hutchinson, and Katie Fisher were also top 20. So another great showing by the women's cross country team. 
Yeah, for Villanova, that's their ninth regional champion in the program history. Berta finished with a time of 20 minutes and one and a half seconds. Villanova, track and field and cross country, I feel like it's a program that's really slept on. I mean, I understand the basketball team gets all the hoopla. Let me tell you, Chris, I don't know if you ever got to see. I, I, also, I want to say I don't know why awards and certificates are stored in Jake Nevin in the basement where no one can see it. But they just have awards on awards lining the walls in a few hallways at Jake Nevin. And then they also have some more in storage just because they have nowhere to put their awards. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, they do. And I, I think the first time we, we really noticed that was senior year when we went i think we went to get online for uh, hoops mania tickets because i think they were selling them at them i don't i don't remember what it was but yeah like we saw like oh like oh look at all these trophies this is cool and then you look along the halls like oh cross country oh track and field oh cross country again track and field track and field track and field like oh oh wow like <laughs> this this program is pretty freaking good and no one ever freaking talks about it imagine this last year a lot because you always brought them up because they were winning everything in sight it, it would be nice to see them get a little bit more press but i don't know I don't know what it is. It's basketball over everything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, not, yeah, not that it's bad. <laughs> we would just love for everybody to have love, you know? More love just, for everybody. Just a little bit more press, that's all. I remember my junior year learning that Villanova has more pen relay titles than the rest of the country combined. And after that, I was my mind was just blown. I was like, why don't we talk about this more? Why don't we talk more about Patrick Tiernan and everybody? Like what what's going on here? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> More than the whole country, really. And everyone gets invited to these pen relays, I'm pretty sure. Well, not everybody, but like... No, but yeah, like, like, I know like, what you mean, like the, you, the relevant people. The relevant uh, squads, yes. That's, and that's, that's a great ESPN stat, too. The women's team gets an automatic bid. They'll be racing at Nationals this weekend. Hopefully, we can crown another national champion. We'll see. It'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville, as I learned when we were there how it's actually pronounced yeah. louisville yeah that's that's true we did get it lectured on that and hopefully we have a, a similar result with uh, villanova coming out on top as for the men's team they finished in third in their regional race they look like that they'll have an at-large bid locked up so they'll also be going to louisville 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 louisville, louisville. 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 come on you'll get it i'll get it eventually <laughs> But that wasn't the only news from this past weekend. We're going to go over, recap everything that happened in Villanova Athletics this past weekend. And we're going to start off with football, which football lost 20-6 to to Rhode Island. You know, I'll be honest, I thought Villanova had never lost to Rhode Island before, but then it's actually their first one to the Rams since 2010. Yeah, Rhode Island kind of took an even bigger step back. They were kind of like the Browns of the CAA. That's what I kind of felt like, but... Yeah, they were two and seven going into the game. Yeah, that's this isn't a good look for Coach Ferrante. I mean, I, I feel like at this point with him, you kind of just want the season to end. I mean, there's only what they only got one more game left, but you kind of just wish it was ended after that. You so you could just re- regroup and just gear up for next year. As the season has took taking a turn for the worse. I mean, they were looking like playoff hopefuls just basically when we first started the new season with the podcast. In just a couple of weeks, it, it's gone from bad to worse and. Again, no no touchdown. Drew Kresge had two field goals, which, you know, hooray, because, you know, Nova's always had kicker issues. <laughs> I know, right? It's like one thing's fixed, and then everything and else is wrong else, Everything really important now goes to crap. But, yeah, this is the second straight game without a touchdown. And, I mean, whatever you want to chalk it up to, just a bad offense or just not having a steady quarterback, whatever it may be, it's just 
it's fall flat and the Nova defense has always been great, but you just, when you have no quarterback and no offensive game whatsoever, your defense can't save you all the time. So I think it's time to just really pack up and just get ready for next year. And I think they'll be, obviously they'll be better next year if they can keep everybody healthy, but you got one more game coming up Saturday against Delaware. So battle of the blue, always got to get geared up for that. So maybe they can sneak this one out. Maybe they'll be able to get up for it and get hyped. But at this point, not looking good. It's just so unfortunate, all the injuries, especially to see how much it changed everything. Zach Benarzi goes down, and all of a sudden, the offense just really starts struggling. And it didn't help that some key receivers also went down along with him. I know what you mean when you say, just let's just end the season. That's how I feel about the Giants. Let's just end the season, go into, mo- go into <laughs> next year with a fresh new mindset, and just put it the past behind us and learn from it. I agree. In volleyball, they split their weekend series, they swept DePaul, but then they lost a close one to a really tough second-place Marquette squad, losing in five sets. Yeah, that puts them in fifth now. I thought they were doing a lot better than that, because I know we talked about them a couple weeks ago, and I thought they were sitting pretty well up in the top four because the top four advanced to the Big East tournament. But yeah, now they're in fifth, one game behind Seton Hall. They have the opportunity to make it up. They got Creighton and Providence this weekend. They need to win both to have any type of shot. And that's that's pretty apparent. You just gotta hope Seton Hall drops one. I don't I don't know what they who the tiebreaker would go to. I think we gotta just confirm that. But yeah, and this also marks the second straight year that Creighton is in in the way. I think yeah, last year was the last game against Creighton, and as we all know, Creighton is pretty freaking good at this whole women's volleyball thing. So if they can beat Creighton. I mean, they, they would definitely have the momentum to go and beat Providence and possibly sneak into this uh, Big East tournament. Yeah, the odds are not in their favor, but if they win both, that will be very impressive. And I think that will put them in a great chance to sneak in to that fourth play spot to get into the Big East tournament over Thanksgiving. But we'll see what happens this weekend for women's basketball. They won their season opener at Hartford, 71-53. to Adriana Hahn, star of the women's basketball team, 18 points which was a game high. Mary Deka had 15 points and 11 rebounds. And Kelly Jaycott added 10 points and seven boards. Yeah, pretty good showing by those three. And also pretty good showing by the women's swimming team. They beat Penn pretty easily. But the men's team dropped their meat to the Quakers over there in Philly. That's it for the roundup in Villanova Athletics. Now we'll open the question line to you, Nova Nation. And let's see what we got in the mailbag today. First question from Chris Lane. Give me your best one game in hot take. I I kind of got one. It's it's a pipe. It's piping hot. How hot? Hotter than Skip Bayless? Oh, it's it's up there, man. I think, oh, at least for us anyway, because we just spent the whole episode talking about what I am just about to contradict ourselves on. <laughs> the hottest take from one game is that Colin Gillespie will be the best freshman from this class. What made you change your mind? Uh, the fact that he looked the best just from this game. And DCR looks a little lost out there. But first game jitters, that's okay. I understand that. And Jermaine Samuels looks fine. We just talked about it. We, I was very impressed with them. But, man, I don't know. Colin Gillespie just looks like a commander of the floor, a floor general. You know, a real leader, possibly, potentially. He has. He, you can see it. He was hitting some shots, distributing the ball. I, I, that, there it is, Con Gillespie, from under-recruited local superstar to possibly the best freshman from the class of 2017. 
Gillespie did airball that first shot he took, and I, I, <laughs> I, I wonder how you felt about that. But he did come back and hit two after that, so that was pretty nice to see. Yeah, no, it was. One game takeaway. <laughs> That's it. My That's one it. game in hot take is that Eric Pascal is going to have more dunks than the last five years combined in Villanova basketball. That man is a dunking machine. I think we should have a hard count, but I think he's probably ahead of that 2013-14 season. Oh, yeah, he, he easily eclipsed it all in that one game. I don't, I don't remember one dunk from 13-14 at all. I feel like there were a couple from, like, James Bell, maybe one or two from JVP, but there were a lot. I think there were more missed dunks than actual made dunks of that year. Yeah, the classic chef uh, one-hand throwdown. Was in its uh was in its infancy and it was still it still needed a little bit of work which he eventually perfected by senior year but yeah that that sophomore year he uh, it was a little rough yeah who needs dunks when you have perfect fundamentally sound layups yeah that and just a bunch of three balls because you know it's shoot them up sleep in the streets that was the motto this next question is from Matthew Gregory also known as the Aquatic Life and Sanborn and Sanborn shout out to three B. Which iteration of the bench mob is best? You know, since you create a blog with this namesake, why don't you take this one first? Easy, the OG squad. The OG <laughs> squad with Henry Lowe, Nick McMahon, Pat Farrell. That was that's where it all started. That's where it all started. I think I might have to give it to you. Or I think I'm going to agree with you. And I, I think an, an underrated part of that bench mob, or, or just, I, I guess he really wasn't part of it. He wasn't really part of it. But Dylan Ennis, when he he was on the end of the bench that year because he was transferred and couldn't play, he he was just as part of the celebrations as as, as anyone. I felt like he helped contribute to the lore of that bench mob. He was he was very enthusiastic. I will give you that. He was very enthusiastic as he sat out in his suit at the end of the bench. He was very into it. I think it was the Georgetown. It was either the Marquette or the Georgetown game where he really he really had some uh, cool dances for that one. I think that was the one when they broke out the glasses, and then I think he also had like some other sick moves. I know he didn't bring up the glasses, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Pat yeah. Farrell had the bucket watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he might have done like an air guitar, or it might have been the one where he just like jumped away. I, I forgot exactly. <laughs> he he is an underrated part. I guess he's kind of like a, a guest star. A guest yeah. star. Well. Yeah, he was a guest star. Yeah, uh, way to way to put it. But yes, Henry Lowe, Pat Farrell, Nick McMahon, the OG squad, the best. They're the best. What's number two? The 15-16 squad, which is basically the same, just switching out Nick McMahon. I guess I'm going to have to agree with you there. (laughs) I mean, because what? It was the same for our freshman and sophomore years, right? Yeah, it was the same from 2012, 2013 to 2014. Mm -hmm. And then they brought in Kevin Rafferty to replace McMahon. Yeah, and there's there's our junior year and senior year squads. So, yeah. Third question is from Lenny Becks. Which freshman guard resembles Arch the most? <laughs> uh, Shout out to Lenny. He clearly listens to the podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess we got to go with Colin Gillespie. <laughs> I know this is kind of like a joke question, but yeah, that's Amari Omar, Spellman, obviously. Neither of them. Because no one's shooting two seconds into the shot clock. Oh, nice burn there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, now that was a freshman arch staple. He, he did calm down a little bit toward the end. A little bit. A little bit. I, I would say the jump from freshman year to sophomore year was 
was definitely there. Yeah. I remember coming back that second year thinking, oh, my God, he's going to hack it up again. <laughs> but he didn't. As soon as he didn't and I saw that he was a little smarter with his shot takes, I was like, all right, this is this is okay. This is acceptable. This is good. This yeah. is good. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And he did still – they still ran that play where he would dribble up court and then just get just inside the three-point line just enough to annoy you where it wouldn't be a three-point shot. But he at least would make it later on. Freshman in the early years, he wasn't making it. Later on, he was making those. So it was kind of excusable. Kind of. The last question is from Nova Rap MCFC. Do you want an updated version? Let's take a listen. Into the Izzo, V to the Izzo. Fishes on my nizzle used to dribble down and pee it. Was herbing them in the home of the Texans. We the Big East again. Plus, if they short with threes, I would work with them. Brought in Eric P, blocking shots for them. Chris, do you want an updated version? Uh, sure, why not? Fine as is, but, you know, if you want to improve, you know, make some changes, you know, there's always room to improve. The, the little coach speak right there. So, yeah, why not? Let's give us, give us an updated version. Yeah, we'll, we'll take an updated version. Just know that the bar is set really high from MRG and his All The Way Up remix from a couple years back. We got too much drive, too much Josh Hart. Analysts at ESPN are not smart. They said we wouldn't make it past the second round. Houston, we have a problem. I think we let them down. Damn, Daniel back at it with the double-double. You put Utah in the dirt. Boy, you had to shovel. Perry Ellis cried, suffering from March sadness. We turned March madness into arch madness. But yeah, we'll, we'll take an updated version. Why not? Sure thing. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Always remember, you can send us, tweet us your questions, or ask in the comment section, and the mailman will get it to us, and we'll talk about them on the next podcast. Also, check back at viewhoops.com. We've got a lot of good content. We're going to have some stuff up for tonight. Like Once again, Brendan Riley will be there covering the game live for View Hoops. So follow at View Hoops Live on Twitter for some live updates from the game if you can't make it. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Podomatic. Apple Podcasts, or on iTunes. I'm Eugene Repay. You can follow me at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at The Stands Man on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. Let's get this dub tonight.